0: Hello everyone and a very warm welcome to another edition of Hamster with a Blunt Penknife, the Doctor Who commentary podcast. I'm Ken Moss. And I'm Joe Ford. I'm lucky enough to be invited on to guest yet again, thank you Joe. We've done the first three episodes, we may as well round it off.
1: (laughs) We may as well polish this thing off.
0: Can you imagine that? We just did three commentaries and like, where's the fourth? There has been an occasion where I had a technical fall. <laughs> no, no, wait, listen. I had a
1: technical fall and uh, I recorded three episodes and the last episode didn't record.
0: So that commentary never saw the light of day. Yeah, we've tried remounting podcasts and we've done it when we've lost something. It's very rare, but it's never quite the same. That spontaneity is lost. And when I started the Star Trek podcast, when that first started
1: oh, I can't believe I'm going to tell you this because you are technically very competent. I I neglected to press record at all. And we got through it all. And he said, right, let's do the trailer for the next one. So let's save this file and then press record again. I was like, oh, press record? I said, I thought I just had to talk. And we had a one-sided conversation. (laughs) Yeah, and you're right. You're absolutely right. When you try again to talk about the same thing, that spontaneity is completely
0: gone. And this is why we do a lot of random stuff on our podcast, because we rapidly learned that actually what we do is go through picking the faves. And it's far more interesting to pick one. You don't know what's coming. So it could be anything. And we've been really nicely surprised. I love that about your podcast. I'm, you never know
1: what's coming in the next episode. Could be anything as random as The
0: Corridor People, which oh, still sounds like a cult highlight. I'm not kidding. You need to watch it just to, A, it will make Simon jizz, but it will revolutionise the way that you think about 60s television.
1: Was it that bad? Oh,
0: well, I think it's dreadful. It's like somebody's head's been leaking, and I have no idea how that ever got made. Whoever commissioned that, whoever dumped scripts on some TV producer's desk and said, we must make this. And they read it and thought, yes, it's fucking marvellous. We must put this on screen. It's insane. Putting it on the scale. So
1: St. Cape of Angelani is right at the top of the scale, yeah? And then robots, like, sort of middling, right in the middle. It's the corridor people just way down.
0: You know how deep the drill goes in Inferno? Yeah, I do. That. That. They're all screaming at the end. It's that level of deep for me. Although there is a level even deeper, which is where curry and chips belongs. (laughs) I'm fairly unshockable. I don't get easily offended by all the stuff that the world is offended by these days. But that is just outright offensive. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I was
1: about to say, don't you go on this podcast and ask me about drilling deep,
0: okay, because <laughs> you're <laughs> in a lot of trouble. Isn't there a line in uh, the Silurians where he said, "Ah, it looks pretty deep, I can get my arm in there?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: my favourite line from the Silurians is when he goes, what is it? He was
1: found paralysed with fear. He may have seen something. <laughs> John Perwey, ever the gift of the understatement. Oh, yeah. it. Well, look, if we skip into episode four, I do have a question for you the second
0: we press play. Oh, well, let's see what it is. Three, (laughs) two, one, play. It's about engorgements. I'm listening.
1: Well, it is a fact that the robot is engorged Mm -hmm. in episode four of robot. Now, it's also a fact that Doctor Who has a budget of about £45 pounds per episode at this point.
0: Per episode? Ooh. That's generous. No, no that really
1: works, thank you. And is this wise? Because this is something that Doctor Who keeps doing. Giant dinosaurs in London, you know, the Scarasan in Terror of the Zygons, Kroll in The Power of Kroll, this bloody lumbering tin suit in this.
0: Michael Kilgareth in Attack of the Cybermen.
1: I'm just asking, like, it's ambitious. But should you perhaps be less ambitious
0: if you haven't got the money? I like the fact that they really, really tried. It's never particularly bothered me. Like Kroll, for example. You have to suspend your disbelief. If you didn't do that with Doctor Who, you'd have turned it off at the very first episode in 1963. I like the fact that they've at least tried, because for every failure, there is a success. Like Planet of Giants... 1964, you're making massive, sort of, scale plug holes. If you just suspend your disbelief, you are there, the story hangs together. And it shouldn't on Doctor Who's budget, but it does...
1: I do wonder as
0: well, you know, if
1: I was more forgiving as a kid, as a young kid, because I can't remember watching some
0: of these stories as a kid and, oh, I'm looking at the effects. I was just enjoying the story. Again, the paper over the cracks. I don't remember seeing anything when I was a kid and thinking, that's a terrible effect. And you're right as well, because sometimes, even in this episode,
1: even you know, the effects are pretty shonky in this episode, but there are moments where they get it right. And it's like, okay, so they can do it.
0: Yeah. It's like nice Sylvester feel- McCoy said when they were filming Silver Emesis. A lot of the time they didn't actually want more money they just wanted more time Mm. and if you listen to the behind the scenes for something like nightmare of eden which is a brilliant story the model shots were all done in about two hours whereas usually it would take a week on film and the special effects guys i think it was colin mapson for that one he was horrified by the results And the memos, the internal memos flying about at the BBC was, Oh, this is brilliant! We've got everything done cheaply in two hours. We must do this again. And the model workshop were horrified that you were just... What's the point? What's the point of us doing this? Are you going to spaff out on screen something that looks utter shit? Because you you look at it, and I don't think it's actually too terrible, but you can tell there's a massive difference between film and video, certainly comes to models.
1: Well, Mapson should have just turned around and said, well, there's a reason why, you know, the producers of Star
0: Wars are not knocking out their model effects on video in two hours. You know? Looking like Flash Gordon from the 30s. Have you ever seen those? Oh, no. No, no. I saw, oh. saw those in the latter day, but no. Oh, <laughs> Flash curious. Gordon from the 30s. Honestly, get yourself wrecked and watch one of those and put on that. Oh, that sounds amazing. Oh, they're utterly awful. <laughs>
1: What do you reckon is then, okay, of all of these I've mentioned, you know, the, the Loch Ness monster, Kroll, all of these, you know, the giant maggots, the giant spiders, what do you reckon is, like, the most successful? <laughs> most Gauge. successful effect? Mm-hmm. Ooh. Of, of sort of, like, the, you know, the larger-scaled monsters. <sighs> and
0: if you say the murka just to be contrary... No, I'm not that. I'm not that wanky to say. Oh yes, but if you look at the work that went into putting, no, uh, the murker was shy. See, I honestly thought the murker was going to put in a reappearance in Jodie Whittaker's. Uh, yes, so did I know. I thought you've got a chance here to rehabilitate the murker and he even balls that up. Oh, well,
1: Chibnall. they did a trailer. They, they did a trailer with a sea monster in it, and I was like, "Well, that's a dead cert. That's the murker.
0: Oh, Chibnall, you utter cock. The best big effect. Uh, kill you. I'm not very good at this podcasting, like I'm. I'm gonna have to think. Uh,
1: <laughs> 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 Thinking a half past ten at night is a dangerous business.
0: I do like some of the perspective shots in some of the Hartnell stuff. So, say the ship in the Ark. Uh, in fact, I think there's a, a statue shot in the Ark, and it's not bad.
1: There's a crane shot, I think, in the arc, or well, they've certainly got the camera really high with a backdrop that makes it look like it goes off into the distance. Yeah. So there's a sense of scale to it that you don't normally get in the corner of Lime Grove in the Hartnell
0: era. There are some really, really ambitious shots going back to that in the Hartnell era. The one that sticks out, there's a shot in the center right. I do not like the sensorise. It bores the arse off me. But there's a shot where they go from the interior of the TARDIS through the doors and oh, follow yeah. them into the ship. That is a shot you never got for the rest of the series. I think they've
1: done it in the new series, haven't they? But they they never did it again in the classic series. Well, and that's because they just did that thing of having two sets next to each other. Mm. You go through the doors from one to the other. Absolutely something they could have done in other you know, classic Doctor <laughs> Who stories. Yeah, it's fantastic. Oh, the brig's getting a bit aggy. He gets really cross in this. I like, can't sort the destructor codes. And the, here's the Doctor's hero moment now. He gets to come in and just, you know, touch a few buttons.
0: Elizabeth Sladen absolutely has that looking wide. Oh, that's a, I'm sorry to cut across you there, mate. That terrible, terrible staggered crash zoomed to, oh, the countdown. That did not work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well,
1: I said in a previous episode that we'd lost, you know, the dramatic close-up <laughs> of being evil. Maybe we've lost the staggered zoom because it's well awful. How can they have vanished? We were all pretty busy. You remember in the last episode when the robot? Don't you laugh at me when I say this, all right, Terence Dixon? <laughs> it. You know when the robot was revealed, mm-hmm. so the curtain was pulled aside during that nasty meeting, and the robot was revealed.
0: Yes, I
1: think that's supposed to mirror king kong you know the bit where he's revealed in the theater
0: i'd never thought of it that way before but you're almost certainly right because one of my favorite Terence sticks quotes is there's nothing wrong with a good original idea it doesn't necessarily have to be your good original idea
1: <laughs> he's so great isn't he please release that interview i'll bet
0: it's full of gems where was that I think now this is weird. Today, I've been down into the archives in the basement in Preston Court and I found an old VHS copy of More Than 30 Years in the TARDIS, and I think that's where it's from. But it was more the fact that I've found a can of Doctor Who film in the bottom of it. A- How did it end up there? Did you get excited? My god, it's Marco Polo episode one. <laughs> No, No. it's more than thirty years in the town. Alas, alas. But how the (laughs) fuck did that cassette get down there? How did Tomb of the Simon end
1: up in a Mormon church?
0: (laughs) (laughs) What do they do in those churches? Uh, You don't wanna know. Silver fetish suits. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs>
0: excuse me well, oh. it's only just occurred to me actually The all the location stuff in this is done on video as well
1: mm. deliberate as well Barry says that in the documentary that it's because they were going to do so many CSO shots in this last episode and they've done pre uh, do you remember when the, the bill goes flying in Planet mm-hmm. of the Dark I'm afraid and so you, you've got video shots of the bill against film shots of the location and it looks terrible so if you look later when he the brigadier is about to shoot him now when he's sort of stomping about because the video it's all done on video it's a bit crisper
0: than it otherwise would be i think that's why they learned their Good. mistake after invasion of the dinosaurs oh painfully they didn't they did it again in planet didn't they yeah <laughs> yeah now another observation the steering wheel of bessie it looks yeah, like I'll- it's on the wrong way around and it looks really uncomfortable I'm not a driver, you know, so I probably wouldn't have noticed that. You don't drive? Oh. No, 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 no. Shanks is pony.
1: <laughs> oh, what a great expression. Just, I'm absolutely obsessed with watching this robot walk, you know. <laughs> Apparently, poor Michael Kilgareth face facepalmed many times. Like, he went over a couple of times. The trouble is, they put him in a top-heavy suit. With a plastic nappy on him. Oh, no, he stopped the countdown with two seconds to spare. Oh,
0: now he's attacking Sarah Jane. That's, that's not on. That robot costume actually isn't bad. No, It does I don't, look, I don't it, almost that. certainly plastic, but it does look quite metallic. It's too cumbersome to do any action in.
1: That's the mm. problem. <laughs> I'll tell you why you couldn't show this to a uh, not-we. Well, there are many reasons, but one of them is this robot having a nervous breakdown right now. You know a bit where he shoots Kettlewell well and it's like, Oh, I have shot the one who created me. <laughs> I think that's what I think that's what a lot of not we think Doctor Who's like all the time.
0: Uh laboratory with bubbling bottles in it, because that's what they're all like.
1: I mean it's not, but it does sum up the Doctor Well, doesn't it? Being busy and bunker. You know, quirky this experiments. This so that's right. He's creating it's his fantastic it's anti-metal it's virus or something like that, isn't it? It's a bit like the anti-plastic in
0: Rose. But, well, <laughs> there's a lot of mirrors here. You see how insightful we're being podcasting? <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Basically, it's our plot
1: convenience to get rid of, mm-hmm. of <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, the brigadier is about to shoot him with an embiggener, and once he's all swollen and engorged, as you put it, the doctor's going to spray him with bromide. <laughs> Did you say? Oh, ambigen- staggered crash zoom Oh God, my bleeding eyes. <laughs> <laughs> is- Do you know,
1: what, this is half the fun with the Exton Moss uh, experiment. You know, is you having horrific reactions to what you're watching. <laughs>
0: I blame Simon. I, I would not have profaned my own retinas with this stuff, but he finds the most incredible shit and it's there on screen. Thank God we've got gent cushion the blow. <laughs>
1: As we do tonight. Oh, look at those old graphics. Come
0: along, man. Oh yeah, Harry's in
1: this. I'd forgotten, he hasn't done much for this. <laughs>
0: Carry the sort of peg up, don't they? And uh, on the, oh, Unfortunate thing to say, but they put him on the coat rack and then bring him down when they need somebody extra in a scene. Well, then, you know, when you
1: skip forward to the arc in space, he gets tons to doing that. I, I don't think they've quite figured out how to write him yet.
0: I do love Harry in that season, I love the dynamic between him and the Doctor. The doctors piss all the time, and there's a very gentlemanly <laughs> bit in Ark in Space where they lay Sarah down on the sort of transporter bed thing, and he pulls down her skirt so that the camera yeah. can't see her knickers. Liz Laden says on the commentary, "Thank you very much, Ian. I saw that."
1: <laughs> but Sarah and Harry are very sort of brother and sister as well, aren't they? Very. They're sort of always snarky with each other, but in a really fun way. Oh, no, here we go. Here we go. Oh. The engorgement has begun. <laughs> <laughs> My, Jamie, that is a big one, isn't it? Look at the head on that. <laughs> we could go all night.
0: <laughs> I bet you could, you dirty <laughs> Oh, look at this lady doing her best. Gosh, isn't it tall acting? he has got Nora Batty stockings on
1: oh no but look you see there's too harsh of a light on the robot so the artificiality of the shot is really obvious this <laughs> is weird. oh, no. In, oh really,
0: yeah that's, that's not good,
1: good. <laughs> oh
0: no that's, shit. that's terrible
1: <laughs> and look at the dolly's legs <laughs> oh i think that's glorious oh. now i shall return to my question about being overly ambitious
0: This may be one of those moments where ambition would have been best underachieved.
1: I just want you to imagine your 10-year-old self now, okay? Get that in your head. Okay, you're watching Robot, Episode 4, and your mother walks in, (laughs) just as this bit's playing out. I mean, how would you feel?
0: See, in those days, you see, Barryman, we're watching it through 21st-century eyes, so we're a lot more cruel than we would have been in those days. Because I remember seeing an episode of Saturday Morning Superstore where John Craven was stood in either Mike Reed or Noel Edmonds' mouth with CSO, and I truly believed, and it must have looked utterly crap. You think the kids at the time were convinced? Yes, I do. A lot would have been still watching on really old TVs with low resolution.
1: Oh, and do you know what, right? I am taking the Mickey out of this a lot, yeah. I love this. I love it. You know, it's coming from a, a place of warmth rather than spite. spy. Ooh, squish. Yeah, that man, he literally got squashed there. See, that's pretty good. The way yeah, he steps the- through that building. Kicking his shed to shit. It's like, you know how people say the Brigadier's sort of characterised, oh, that fella fell over. Um, <laughs> <a, a> characterised <laughs> the Brigadier like a bit of a buffoon as he went along. I mean, this might be his, his worst move yet, you know.
0: The robot's How's doing it? a bit of a soft shoe shuffle rather than walking.
1: <laughs> well, you know, he's got to write a letter to that soldier's family saying, well, it is a fact that I engorged this robot and then he stepped on it, you know.
0: <laughs> but he went down in the line of duty. Oh, there really should be some bad disco music playing over this as the robot's dancing about. Yeah. <laughs> you know I was watching Seeds of Death
1: the other day I don't know if you remember much about that one when the ice warrior teammates to earth and he does like literally a minute's jig the second he walks out he turns left right he does the okey pokey it's very funny
0: oh I don't remember that I'm gonna have to go and look at it now Seen but, to Death, when that first got released on DVD, I'd only ever seen the ropey VHS. Oh, it was terrible, wasn't it? And then you look at the DVD and you think, this could have been filmed yesterday. It's actually
1: surprisingly well-directed, that one. Mm.
0: Although they do look like they're wearing plastic
1: nappies in that. Or oh, what, the underpants on the outside? Mm. Yeah. I look, you know, I've tried it. Don't <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well uh, held, Tom Baker. I really hate these pat resolutions, though, you know, like, oh, yeah, we've just got this <laughs> this antidote that's going to polish the robot off. It's not been built into the story, has it? It's just like, a, well, you know, we've had our fun, we run around for episodes. here's your ending.
0: <laughs> we've seen a few things like that over the years where, you know, there's your 25 minutes, now fuck off. You've got a story out of it, and... Look at Tom Baker there celebrating before he's seen the robot disintegrating. (laughs) He's so convinced of his own success, you know. Why isn't that metal handle disintegrating? Boy,
1: don't be that fan, (laughs) all (laughs) right? Oh, yeah, see, I don't mind that. His legs are disappearing beyond Mm. the CSO curtain a little bit, but he's shrinking. Oh, I I want to applaud the ambition. (laughs)
0: Do you know what Ken? He goes, oh, oh, oh." (laughs) and then just collapses into a walnut and needs mopping up. A a howl, three (laughs) thousand.
1: Why?
0: There's a lot of soldiers there. It's not a bad effect of a rusted robot, though. It does look quite. But they do
1: do this pretty well, you know, things disintegrating. Mm. I was talking about this the other day. It's the only conversation that only Doctor Who fans would have, you know. But, like, they do, like,
0: bodies turn into ash and things like that really, really well. Again, there were some effects that they did in Classic Who that they'd never dream of putting on telly now. The letters. Would you like a chili? Lettuce? What's that? No, the letters they'd get. Well, not oh, <laughs> I'm like,
1: I don't remember a lesson being this, in this
0: episode of Doctor Whom's Awful. I'm gonna send some vegetables and damn. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: know, I do like this, so yeah, we might mock the whole sort of favorite King Kong thing. But Elizabeth Slayton's trying to give it a bit of emotion. She was there really sad that the robot had been killed. Mm. I just think she could sell this stuff. That you know, to the cows come home. She's, she's a very good actress.
0: Tom Baker and Lisley, they are the dream team, though. I don't think there's any. Of all the companion pairings there were on screen, these are the one. And everybody goes on about David Tennant and Billy Piper. They were very good, don't get me wrong. I would never uh, take it away, but I still don't think they're this. And by the time they get to Hand of Fear, they are just completely in their stride. Oh, Glorious. Remember that bit where.
1: <laughs> She goes, well, I worry about you. And he goes, well, I worry about you. (laughs) You're just like, oh, my God, they love each other. Although they don't love each other in the way the new series seems to suggest.
0: No, and I never really liked that when they tried to imply that Sarah Jane was in love with him, because it's just not that. And even looking at it through 21st century eyes, the whole Sarah Jane Doctor thing, there was never that, and you you can't see it as that. They were just mates travelling out. Yeah, absolutely. And I still say that's when Doctor Who's at its best. All this undercurrent of romance, I don't like. They've done it with Rose, they explored it very well, very thoroughly, Right, you've done that, bottomed that out, but they just keep going with it, and every companion's got to have some. The only one that didn't is Donna, and I that worked that. well. It yeah, worked beautifully, didn't it? Well, not according to your podcasting uh, partner. Uh, he likes Donna Noble. He just doesn't like Catherine Tate trying to do angsty. Yes. Uh, <laughs> he, <laughs> I can see where he's coming from, and but I, I never particularly cared for Catherine Tate as a comedian. I tried her show, didn't like mm. it. Cuz it was all that it, it was another just another one of those that it relied on the catchphrase for the gag. Uh-huh. So we, I we didn't have, go you know,
1: into we that by that point anyway.
0: Oh yeah, I know, but I so I'd managed to miss all that so I could watch her just as Donna Noble. And it's the same that I've done with shooting Gatwa. I've not gone looking for any of the other stuff. Because I know that the main one is sex education and it's quite camp and effete in that. I don't want to go into his era coloured by a preconception of what he's going to be.
1: I mean, you know, I think Dr. Excellent is an extremely intelligent man, but I think he's mad on that point because I think Catherine Tate is staggeringly good in series four of Doctor Who.
0: I I really love it, yes. Just series four, I think, because I'm not a big fan of series three. And I very rarely go back to series two, if I'm honest. Mine's Uh, the Moffat
1: stuff. I have a lot of trouble with the Moffat stuff, and that's not a popular opinion. (laughs) Really? Yeah, I think series six might be my least favorite season
0: of Doctor Who ever. No, I I will go with you on that because it's just too bloody complex. Doctor Who in that period, in the Moffat era, it didn't know what it wanted to be. So it was all over the place. It changed its style all the time. So there was no consistency at all through Matt Smith's era. And much as I love Matt Smith and he proved me completely wrong when I saw him cast, I was disappointed. It was some baby-faced young pretty boy. I thought, oh, shit, a break." It. Right. <laughs> well, I love the older doctors, I think. Older men playing the doctor or indeed an older woman, like I say Helen Mirren, whose name I f- couldn't remember for some reason 2 episodes ago. I want that level of gravitas. Matt Smith, within two minutes of being on screen, completely proved that I was utterly wrong and should never be listened to. (gasps) Do you know
1: what? I'm just going to... We're literally contradicting each other in this last episode because Matt Smith's my least favourite Doctor. Of all? Of all. That's not a popular opinion (gasps) either. And for the opposite reason, I'm not at all convinced by him. He just seems like a kid trying to act with some gravitas. That's why when Capaldi came along, I was absolutely sold immediately. He just had it, whatever it is. He just had it. But I accept I'm in the minority there. And that Matt Smith is an extremely and a lot of people's favourite Like I said, you know, we all come with different opinions, don't we?
0: Oh, yeah. And that's, I've often said that Doctor Who is the best format, because it can go anywhere, backwards in time, forwards in time, spaceship, underground, little country village in the 16th century, 5 billion years in the future. It doesn't need to explain why, it just does it. The com- main, the central character changes all the time. The companions change all the time. The inside of the TARDIS gets a, a lick of paint now and then. You can do anything with it, and because there's so many things in there to like and dislike, everybody's got a different take on it. Well, now, I, I personally saying, I- think that the Doctors have got, much as I love Eccleston, they've got better with each regeneration until they got to, for me, Jodie Whittaker. And I'm not entirely convinced that bringing back Tennant is a good move. I would have preferred they'd just let Shooty Gatwa prove himself rather than piggyback off, right, we need to get people back on board, so we'll bring back the fan favourite, get him back on side, and then introduce a new Doctor. I think it would have been braver to just let him take over, but God, I'm getting deep, aren't I? What
1: I like about Tenant coming back, and I also agree, it's a bit too much looking back. But I think what Rusty Davis is trying to do is is go remember when this show was massively popular. <laughs> no, no, I, I genuinely think that. Like, you know, let's look back to when the show was at its height, and then let's piggyback off that.
0: From a commercial point of view, it makes absolute perfect sense. So I'm never going to knock it because. I want Doctor Who to have this bright new future. Nobody wants to sit there saying, well, it's not as good as it used to be when I was a boy. That's just a terrible attitude. And I've never thought that until 2017, when I became a terrible old bigot, apparently. But but I want to fall in love with the program again. Oh, and I've seen some of the... You see, I love the fact that you know people like me who are a you know, middle-aged white man now were supposed to hate everything and look back to the glory days and, oh, when we had an empire, we didn't have Dr. Whom like this. I see people on Twitter who are arguably more, uh, not woke is a terrible term, but, uh, you know, in tune with modern thinking. They're far less tolerant about things than I am. Oh, for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I think the extreme left is louder than the extreme right. I think they're both pretty terrifying, actually. But (laughs) yeah, I agree with you. But do you know what? Like, you know, I've listened to your podcast. I don't think you have any particularly troubling views. Like there are things I agree with you and there are things I disagree with you. And that, hell, that's life. If we're all the same, it would be very
0: dull. Oh, absolutely, and that is what makes for good podcasting. As I've said to you earlier, the dullest podcasts that I've heard are when you get two people in a room with exactly the same views who gush about everything or pour spittle over everything. And do, you know, do you know what my, um, my absolute... wow. Well,
1: is it my favourite? It's one of my favourite recordings I ever did was when I did Four to Doomsday with Stephen Alexander and he really likes it and I really hate it. And we battled it out for all four episodes. And, he, you know, normally, you know, I'm pretty fierce, but he was fiercer and it was a hell of a, hell of a recording and a hell of a listen. And I just think it was more interesting for having the opposing views.
0: Oh, it is, and that's part of the reason that I think uh, Simon and I have such a whale of a time on Exton Moss because a lot of the time we are coming to things from very different angles. I'm and not going is- to make the
1: obvious joke there.
0: <laughs> I refuse to be dragged down to this level again.
1: Sorry. <laughs> you weren't complaining earlier. <laughs> oh.
0: <coughs>
1: mm. <Yes. laughs> And in a way, like, I mean, it's been a fun one to talk about. In a way, it is almost a shame, actually, that we've chosen something where we're kind of in accord. And, you know, it's you and me, and we've done this podcast in Malarkey for a long time. Old no so lags now. You've got you make it an interesting listen. But you know what? Next time, I think, well, if I can entice you back, I think we should do this, you know. Find one where we're in disaccord. <laughs> And have a discussion. I, I reckon we could probably do something in Moffat's era, you know, where we could have a, a gay old time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, you're on. I would love to come back. It's been a wonderful four episodes, and you must come onto Exmos with, us. Oh, with I? us.
1: Excuse me, I've watched the whole of fucking Doomwatch. Really? Yes, I'm coming on your Doomwatch episode.
0: No, I mean, you've watched the whole of it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bought the set and I watched the whole of it. We're only talking about, I think it's five episodes.
0: But all of them? Fucking hell. Yeah,
1: yeah, I I, think Series
0: 2 is on really ropey, not even VHS copies, are they? But no, no,
1: I really enjoy the series. I've got lots to say as well because I think as a premise, they could make it now. If you had someone who was brave and hard-hitting and, you know, would really sort of go in for the kill, it would be a really interesting show to do nowadays, I think.
0: I think so too. It's, it's ripe for remaking, but but no, I think that would be a great idea, picking a, a Series 6 Moffat episode that you can't stand and I don't think is too bad, and we can tear it apart in different directions and just, yes. Series 6 where you could just take your pick then, honestly. Actually, no, there's
1: two I quite like. I quite like, I know, I love The Doctor's Wife. And I really like The God Complex, but anything else is fair game. (laughs) (laughs) I will pick
0: one and we'll do that next then.
1: To out-robot, just very, very quickly in a few sentences, if you could surmise robot for me. Well, it's there, isn't it? (laughs) Yes, it's definitely there, yes.
0: There have been better intros for Doctor's... It is a hangover from Pertwee. I won't be rushing back to it, but it's not bad.
1: No, I, th- I think this is definitely mid-range Doctor Who. It's got great regulars in it. It feels a bit tired because the format's been done and dusted. Um, we're about to head into some of the most original Doctor Who mm. we've seen in years and years. And I think when the space hits, it just shows this to be even more tired, you know, than when you're watching it. Yeah. Contrast, I mean. But it is fun. And it does have some quirky special effects and some funny lines. And, you know, there's a lot worse
0: as well. Yeah. The Cliff era. Scrape this one off your boot and we'll do it properly next week. <laughs> Ken, thank you very much for your time. It has oh, been thank a- you for asking pleasure. me been an absolute pleasure for me as well. Joe, love to you all. I will look forward to being with you again. The Hamster with a